Live from Orlando, Florida, you're now listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Orlando Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings and part of the Basketball Podcast Network. We're your hosts, Al, myself, Anthony, and today we have a very special guest joining us, host of Magic Weekly with Jake Chapman and producer for Orlando Magic Radio, Jake Chapman. What's up, man? What's up, guys? How are you? Good, good, man. For those that aren't familiar and for those that need a refresher, can you explain to us a little bit about what you do on a day-to-day basis and how did you get into doing what you do on a day-to-day basis? Sure. Uh, absolutely. I appreciate it. Um, so I'm from Ohio originally. I graduated in 2006 from Ohio State with a journalism degree and I got an internship, a seasonal internship as the radio intern uh, with the magic out of school. And that was pretty much, it, it basically changed my career. I did, I did that season and I stuck around Florida, did radio for two years. And then I was, Offered to interview for and became the radio producer for the Magic. Did that for five years, left for five, went up back up north. I worked in Detroit for the Pistons. I went to Cleveland, worked for the Browns and for 92.3 The Fan. And then I came back and it's basically been working with Dante Marcatelli, who I know you guys well uh, know well, um, running the radio department. So I produce every radio game broadcast. I produce our daily radio show, Magic Drive Time. I produce all of our podcasts, Pod Squad, and then the one that I do as well. Uh, and I host the pre and post game as well. And I also do a whole bunch of the behind the scenes stuff uh, within the radio broadcast. So I'm a radio producer with some host and podcast stuff as well. But um, that's my day to day is uh, I get to yap about basketball and I get to try to make it sound good. That's not that's not a bad gig no, at all. Now, you're, you're from, if you're from Ohio, does that mean you're like a under the radar Cavs fan? Is that the way that works? You know what, Anthony? That's It's funny like that. I've been asked that question a lot because I was down here. I first became producer. um the year after the finals run. So it was 09-10 was my first season full-time. And so during the finals run, I was, you know, people, I still knew people in the organization. They were getting me tickets. And I'm going as a Cavs fan for the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, yeah, I love my Magic people, but I'm no longer employed with you guys. And I grew up in Cleveland. Of course, I grew up a Cavs fan um, and a LeBron fan. And it took about two months of getting paid every two weeks by the Orlando Magic to make me an Orlando Magic. <laughs> that, that's all <laughs> because, it took. You know what I mean? And people would, you know, my cousin is, my cousin and I are the biggest Browns fans you ever met. And he's one of the biggest uh, Cavs and Indians fans and Guardians now fans you ever met. And he used to crack on me. I'd be like, I'm like, I get a, I probably get a ring if, if the Magic win the championship. Like, God bless the Cavs. But I'm going to go ahead and root for the team that I might actually get some jewelry on my finger if we right. win the championship. It kind of changes the perspective a little bit. Uh, but, no, I grew up a Cavs fan. I still you know, I still follow them. And when I was in Cleveland for that year and a half or so, um, I, followed, I covered the team for LeBron's last trip. It was the last finals run. It was the smacking um, after, you know, it was KD's second – Second ring, and that Cavs team had absolutely no shot against the Warriors that year. I was there for that when I was there in the building um, that night when they put us away. So, um, but but it was kind of interesting that balance. Like whoever whoever's paying you, you pretty quickly become a, become a fan of. Because look, it's good for business. It's good for me if the Magic win, and I love the Cavs, but it don't mean nothing to my pockets if the Cavs win. <laughs> so so if we see the Magic and Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals in three years from now. 
you rooting for the Magic? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm gonna be as long as I'm still as long as I'm still here in this capacity. <laughs> I'm gonna be rooting for the Magic. But I will say that if that's the case and that's a that's kind of a win win for me. Because I'll say I was I was actually covering the Pistons in '16 when the Cavs won. But I was there with my dad, my brother in law in Cleveland, uh, and it was pretty special just because of what it meant to the city of Cleveland. True. Somebody like my dad, who hadn't seen a championship for any of his teams since 1964. Um, so that was, it, it, that was pretty cool in 2016. I just kind of wish I was, uh, as fully invested as everybody else was at that point. Yeah. I, I haven't seen any of my teams win anything since 1988, which coincidentally is also my birth year. So there's that. <laughs> so you didn't even really see it at that point. Then I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that counts, bro. No, 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 no. Now, like- now it, it's, so it, I've always wondered, is it besides the paycheck, does it make it a little more challenging? So when you had when you moved to Detroit and you were covering, you know, the Pistons, does it make it that just that much? Like you you had exposure to Orlando here for five years. Obviously, a big Ohio fan, so all the teams in Ohio. But going to Detroit, it seems like it's a little. That's a team that's a little far off. Does it make it a little bit harder to, I guess, find passion for the team? Because you can have passion for the sport, but for the team, does it make it a little more challenging? paycheck aside you know it's an interesting question um i don't think so i think you know and i remember dante telling me this when i first got down here when you when you cover a team when you're when you're on ground level day-to-day basis you know it goes beyond the the names in the front of the jersey i guess because all of a sudden you start to and i'm not even just talking about the players i'm talking about staff i'm talking about the people around i mean that becomes your every day so it be, so you know in the back of your head that it's good. Covering a winning team is good. Um, but then you're also, you know, you, you become friends with the PR guy. And you're like, oh, it'd be good for, for Kevin if, if if the Pistons win or whatever. Um, and so I think it – I think pretty quickly, like, when you when you work in sports – and I think it's probably easy for me to say now, and and I understand why it's, it's kind of hard to understand. Um, it just sort of gets stripped away, like – Football, maybe all these years later, football will be different. If I went to work for the Steelers as the, one of the biggest Browns fans you ever met, like that might be a little bit weird. Um, but with basketball, I pretty quickly just became a fan of, of of basketball. And I think that's part of it, too. I think one of the reasons I love working in the NBA is because I love our guys and I love the league. And, you know, we, we make our missteps, but um, it's really easy to root for what's what's best for everybody and a lot of times that's compelling stories that's uh good tv ratings it's all that stuff and so you just want you just kind of want to want to see what's good for everybody um you just it just sort of strips the fan out of you and that's it sounds bad but it's not it's not a bad thing you you actually do sort of become a member of the media and kind of a journalist about it all if I ever see you rooting for the Pistons or rooting for the Cavs, I'm going to be like, Jake, what's your W-2 say? What's your W-2 say? <laughs> Remind me. I wouldn't worry about that. I wouldn't worry. But it is funny, like, you know, last year I, I specifically tweeted it. I said, if it wasn't going to be us, I'm happy for all my Pistons people when they got Kate Cunningham, right. you know, right. uh, or at least when they won the lottery. Like, uh, no, I want I want for us first and especially everybody down here. But but those are, there are still some good people up there, and I do pull for them mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, now Jake, let, let's talk a little bit, a little magic basketball. But before we get into the serious stuff, um, this past week, RJ Hampton came out with uh, a new tattoo that he tattooed on his leg. He had a tattoo, right? Perfect timing because we're in October, but he got a tattoo of uh, Michael Myers. Um, do you have any tattoos? I don't. You don't. Would you ever think about getting one or are you completely <sighs> against it all around? 
No, I mean, I've thought about it before. I just kind of feel like that ship has sailed. I'm 37 years old. Bro. I don't, <laughs> no, I don't okay. know about all that. But but I have but I have given consideration. I used to want a, a big biohazard sign on my arm when I was like 16. And then I, I saw it's not it's not too late. One or two other people get that. And I was like, I, I, no, I need some originally. No, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I haven't. But I definitely wouldn't get I don't think I would get something. Something like art, like RJ has got ink, man. Like yeah. he could pull it off. I don't know if I could. Definitely. Now, my question to you: Let's say you lost the bet. So now you're you're 37 years old. Now you got to get a tattoo. You lost the bet. You got to get a tattoo. What would be one horror character that you would get tattooed on you that you would wear with a badge of honor? Ooh, that's a good one. Because I'm not a big I'm not a big horror movie guy. I'm not a big movie guy. Period. Um, wow. I think. Probably Jason. Like Jason would be kind of cool with the Jason's hockey mask. I think that's pick. that's a pretty simple, universal uh, horror reference that uh, that I think I could pull off. Probably not Freddie. I mean, Freddie. Be there's a lot of detail in Freddie's face. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and with the <laughs> detail, it's it's easy to mess up. Imagine getting a tattoo of Freddy Krueger anywhere on your body, and the details just off. Like yeah. completely, completely. <laughs> yeah, like the fingers are all like, like who is discombobulated and crooked <laughs> al what about you what would you get so i'm like jake man i don't really watch horror movies that much um and i have no tattoos right now so that's a tough one um i, th- I think i would pass overall i think i would just get one i again it's not that i'm against tattoos but i just don't have like a character that i would be proudly wearing in my body for the rest of my life that's a good that's a good choice al don't get any tattoos. Don't be like me. I would get Chucky. Chucky would be the one that I, I was would get. thinking Chucky. I would get but that, Chucky. But that would suggest, and look, like I got in trouble when I was a kid. But you get Chucky, and you're basically saying, like, I'm the problem child. Like, that is like, I am, I'm an issue. And I don't know if I want to be projected <laughs> all that necessarily. But I guess. 100%. Getting Jason's probably the same thing. Like I don't know. I, like no matter what, I think you're probably making a suggestion. Well, that's that's yeah, a cool that's thing about Jason because Jason to me was always like that one character that one never dies, and two, he's like the biggest dude, and somehow he's able to get from point A to point B with like a <laughs> blink of eye. So it's amazing. A good point. That's a good point. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, obviously, everyone's really excited about this NBA season. And part of the reason is because of this year's um, NBA draft, where we were so fortunate enough to really get a player that we didn't think was anywhere near coming to Orlando and Jalen Suggs. When you think back at your personal reaction and how that impacted the city, how it impacted the team, what would you say was your initial reaction to that moment? Oh, man. I mean, that was wild. We were on the air. We were doing a live stream and a radio show. Um, it was me and Dante and Jeff Turner and Brandon Kravitz. And the arena was lit. It, it was like a very, very cool reaction, something that we all there was almost like because of the pandemic. And it was one of the first times I had that many people even in there. Um, it was almost like therapeutic. Like it was like a, a release of energy that I think we'd all been pent up for like over a year. Um and I was just, you know, I went in thinking that it was a possibility because it was basically does Toronto like Scotty Barnes, and and from everything that I'd heard, it was, um, it was it was on the table. It was possible. You assumed that it wasn't going to happen, but it, it it seemed possible. Um, so I was just, I was just stoked because we needed a guy like Jalen. Like Scotty Barnes might be a great player. He might end up having a Hall of Fame career. But I think Jalen, and I think you guys can speak to this, like checked a lot of boxes that not a, not a lot of guys in the draft necessarily did, even guys mm-hmm. who were selected above him. 
just as far as star potential and familiarity. I mean, we're it's a small market down here, and we're we kickstarted a rebuild, you know, less than a year ago, and we got guys that people weren't familiar with, unless they're people like the three of us. Um, you know, we're excited about RJ. We're excited about Wendell. But, you know, your average fan it needs to become more familiar. Your average fan was familiar with Evan and, and with Vooch and with Aaron. So the idea of, boy, this could be somebody who not only is going to win us a whole bunch of basketball games, but it might put some butts in the seats. Um, that was kind of my first, my initial gut reaction thought was like, oh, this is good for business, let alone – I, I watched that kid most of his games last year, and we all did. Anytime you get a guy who had a moment like he did with with the, with the tournament, with the shot against UCLA, and a, a guy who was that highly recruited sort of from the get go, um, I think it's I think that's a really good thing just as far as getting ears and eyeballs on your organization. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me personally, I can appreciate. I was watching the, the stream actually. I watched the video after when you guys posted it, and. Uh, so it was, to me, it was how genuine your reaction was. All of you guys, from Jeff Turner, Dante, you guys were literally like how we were being. We were in the arena that night, and we all reacted the same way you guys did. And I really could appreciate that, because again, you guys are in the media. Sometimes you, you assume, like, hey, they cannot show emotion. They cannot show what, what's really, what they're feeling about what just took place. Right. And you guys did an amazing job portraying what we all portrayed as fans that night. Well, and I think that's the cool thing about about what we do is because because we're members of the organization, we we can do that. You know, I if I wrote for the Sentinel, I wouldn't be caught dead doing something like that. But that's you know that's sort of the the balance that my job, Dante's job, Jeff's job um, strikes is is we're allowed to we're allowed to show emotion, which you would think you should be able to. But I understand, like you said, like. You know, if you're if you take your job seriously, there's no cheering in the press box. And that's um, that's something that I would do if that was my job. But it ain't. So I don't have to worry. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were we were there that night at the Amway and and the reaction itself was so wild that you honestly forgot that we were in the middle of a pandemic. For a moment, right. you felt like like everything was was completely normal. Things were great. I was hugging my guy to the left, hugging my right. guy to the right. Part of the reason why I probably got COVID <laughs> during that experience. <laughs> so, so for for a brief moment, you forgot all of it, and it's interesting to hear that you thought that there was there was a possibility because in my mind there was no chance. I, I as much as I've heard of Jalen Suggs and I did research on him, I didn't see like physically in my mind picturing him being a member of the Magic. We heard recently that the only he only worked out for one team, and it was the Toronto Raptors. Kyle Lowry, we all speculated that he was out the door, so they needed somebody to replace him. Um, I I had no idea. So the the amount of reaction that I've heard across the board. For a moment, it did feel like the world stopped, like in Orlando for a second. Um, and everyone had like the same awe. Like people were so excited. And this is the wild part that people were excited that Scotty Barnes got drafted for. And that <laughs> roar was louder than us drafting James yeah, exactly. because exactly. people knew that, that that's what was going to be next. We're like, there's no way that this doesn't happen at that point. And it's like when you're, it's like if you're, te- if you're watching the lottery and your team, it's down to your team and somebody else, and then they call the other team second, right. and so you haven't even heard your team called yet, but but the, by default, you know that you're um, that you won. I'll, I'll tell you something, a little inside, like because we have to be ready for for everything. You know, Dante and I are, are talking through everything before we hit air um, earlier that day, and we were like, what if we pass on? What if Suggs is there at five and we pass on him? You know, we were just trying to consider, like, I have no idea, like, that 
could that possibly happen? And if so, then what do we do? Because we know what the reaction in the building would have been. I don't care who they picked. If Jalen Suggs was on the board at five and they passed on him, people like y'all would have been really, really mad. That would have been We wouldn't have been able to hide it. We would have been like, you know, oh, okay, well, Moses Moody or whatever. You know, like, I don't know what it would have been. That's how it's guy. That's a touchy subject. We considered that. Like, that is – that's wild, dude. Like – like, can you imagine that? And that's that's the type of stuff that you got to prepare for when you're live on air. But luckily, luckily we didn't have to, to bust it out. But it's it, funny it, you mentioned that because with the eighth pick, I think that kind of happened a little bit. When Franz Wagner was announced, not exactly only with the fans, but say. you guys, I think Dante was like, okay, okay. Like, you got to kind of have to come to terms with the decision. And you know what? I think that's a fair point, too. And I, I think, and this is just, this is what I think sort of makes sense. I think when you get Jalen at five, you're more comfortable taking Franz at eight, right? I, I think because we know Franz, like, I think probably some of that reaction was, you know, like, there's not flashy highlights and stuff like that. But because you got Jalen at five, now you're able to take a guy at, at eight who I think is um, – Franz does everything pretty well. You know, he's he, he's a guy – he's a fill-in-the-cracks type guy. He's going to be a super role player. I think he projects as a very, very functional, fairly high-level starter eventually. Um, but he's not a guy who came in with that tape and with that uh, highlights and, and and all that stuff that, that, that sort of, um, I think – jacks people up sort of like Jalen did. So I think you get him at five and now you sit there at eight and you go, okay, now we can get a guy who's going to fit really well next to Jalen Suggs for a long time. Yeah. And I think for the, for the fans, like, as you said, like, like us that really are aware of the team, the roster, the fit, all, all the inside and outs that there's a level of what you expect. And I think the disappointment would come if something happens where it, is nowhere near what you're expecting. So I think that if something would have happened, we didn't get Jalen Suggs and we ended up getting someone else. I think it would have probably took us a solid, you know, maybe 24 hours for everyone to do their research and convince themselves that that was the right pick. Very similar to what the Raptors did with um, Scotty Barnes and thinking that, you know, Scotty Barnes is the pick over Jalen Suggs. And how long did it take no. Raptors fans to wrap their heads around Scotty? One preseason game, right? He came yeah. out, he had what, 13, 9, 4, 2, and 2, or something like that. And everybody's like, oh, well, we, we nailed it. And Lord <laughs> knows, nobody knows. Nobody will know at the beginning of the regular season, at the end of the regular season. We won't know on these guys until four or five years at least down the road because they're freaking right. 19 years old when they get there. And the other part is that people don't consider is like surroundings matter. I mean, some, some of these guys are going to flame out with their first team, they're going to hit on their second or third team. It's just, no, everybody grows at a different pace. Yeah, I mean, Yahoo Sports Canada literally came out with a form, like an imaginary form of uh, Scotty Barnes' apology form um, after his first preseason game. That's how intense it was in Toronto. Yes. That's, God bless him, man. God bless him. I do. I, I think he's a great prospect. But, I mean, like, God, we're doing think, so, think, it's so fast now. And, it, I mean, we don't give anything any time. I've been thinking about this with football, like, Urban Meyer, and maybe maybe they're right about this one, might be a bad example. But, like, one, the first loss, it was, oh, he's ready to go back to college. He's done, right? Baker Mayfield has one bad game for my Browns, and we're ready to run him out of town. Oh, we can't win a Super Bowl with him. Like, we're doing it like this these days. Like, let it breathe, people. Come on now. That's I mean, very, the, the social media era, right? I mean, Everything is right. immediate yep. to, the, to the second. Yep. But very similar. You know, last season we didn't have a summer league. Uh, our rookies last season got thrown into the league very, very fast. Um, and then this season we did have a summer league and we had a player like Cole Anthony that, you know, wasn't playing to what people were expecting him to play. And there was a lot of doubters already saying, 
Co-Anthony isn't the same. You know, Co-Anthony's not as good as we want him to be. And then we now see a couple preseason games in, and it's a little different perspective. Um, so just want to get your thoughts on that. So the last we have two, we're two preseason games in. Um, what are your thoughts on this new look magic? There's a lot of new faces, a lot of new uh cohesion. Um, what are your thoughts on what you're seeing so far? Yeah, I think I think it's there's a couple things that I really like. I like that they've come out in both games and they've been very aggressive defensively. I think it's I'd rather have to Jeff Turner says this all the time. I'd rather have to throttle you back than than light the fire, you know. And so especially with young players, like early on, I want to I want them to be overzealous. I want them to be if, if Mo's got to fall out in the third quarter, like he did last night, that's fine. <laughs> but but make sure you I know that you're on the floor. You know what I'm saying? And and, and the same way with with the rest of the young guys. Um, so I want to see them being overly aggressive. I want to see them defending um, a lot. I want to see them knocking down shots from the perimeter, which they did on Monday. They did not do last night. That's going to be one of the biggest keys. And it's been for years now with this team is if they can hit threes, they can beat just about anybody. Um one of the things I really liked yesterday, despite the way the fourth quarter went, was third quarter starts. Pelicans go, I think it was 9-0 or maybe it was 7-0. Um, Coach Mosley calls a timeout mm, two, three minutes into the quarter out of this uh, halftime locker room. Magic come out and go 9-0 run. And so just that those sort of like, okay, you're flat. Coach called a timeout and you came back out, you know, sort of on minding your P's and Q's. Um, you reacted to whatever it was he said to you in the huddle. That's all good stuff. Like I need to see learning. I need to see reaction. I need to see it matters even in the preseason. I need to see if it's a seven zero run and he calls timeout. You come out and you fix yourself. Um, so I like that. I certainly like what I saw from Cole on Monday night. I like what I saw from Mo on Monday night. Um, I think Wendell Carter Jr. has been really, really good. I think he's going to be really, really solid. I think between him and Mo. You know, we want to see Mo be more consistent. That's not what we have to worry about with Wendell. I'm not sure Wendell has the ceiling that Mo has, but we got to see Mo start stacking these together, you know, give us one good month, let alone, or, you know, as, as opposed to a couple of good games. Um, and I think he will. I think he's looked – I think getting a full offseason has been good for him. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of like the energy that I've seen so far. I think I think there's going to be – especially in the preseason, like there's going to be so many different combinations, and that's, that's what – Coach Mosley and the staff should be doing um, throwing guys out there and seeing who who has chemistry and, and and what kind of groups you can get away with and also what kind of positional versatility you have. Like when you have a backcourt with Cole and with RJ um, and with Jalen, and then you start thinking about you can play Terrence the two or the three, you can play Franz the four or the three, you can play Mo at the four or the five, um, Mo Wagner. You've got these guys. You have to figure out where they're best suited, but also what you can get away with when injuries happen and, and who can play what different positions um, for shorter periods of time. So I think that's the type of stuff that you need to figure out. A four-game preseason is not enough time to figure that out. I mean, Mosley and staff are going to be working on this stuff well into the regular season. Um, but there's there's a whole lot to like, I think, so far. And look, it's kids, man. It's going to be – there's going to be bumps in the road and, and there's going to be lessons – um, there's going to be L's and hopefully they turn to lessons. Um, but, uh, but, but I think it's fun. I think there's a, I think there's a, a, a sort of renewed enthusiasm around there. And that's a, that's definitely a good thing. Magic fans. Hockey is back. 
and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sports on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection, however they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any hockey game, and win a hundred in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer, restriction supply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, now, if I got to ask you one thing about preseason so far, disappointing. Is there anything that has been disappointing to you? Again, I know it's too early. We could even throw in the summer league, but between summer league and preseason so far, has there any been anything that you're like, hey, I wish a team would do this better? <sighs> well, you know, shooting, Al, is like, it's that. I mean, shooting from the perimeter is such a big key to any level of offense in this in this league that if if they don't, then it's there, there's going to be a lot of games where they struggle to score 100 points, and those are going to be losses probably. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of guys who are capable of being really good three-point shooters, but because a lot of them are young and because a lot of them are, are versatile players whose, whose jumpers are still sort of improving, um, I think that's going to be something that I'm hoping improves pretty rapidly. Um, and you can do that both with the offense you run and the way you execute with drives and kicks um, and open spot-ups, but some of it is just on the guys to make those shots. And in the last few years, certainly under Steve Clifford, there were a lot of guys who missed a whole lot of open shots. Um, and that, that can just sink an offense. Now, when you look at the roster that we have now, kind of think of the trajectory. There's obviously going to have to be um, a lot of development going into it. You know, you talked a little bit about how there's not enough time for Coach Mosley um, in the preseason to really get everyone at, at 100% speed. Um, what would you say is a realistic expectations? Because during um, media day, we heard a lot of the players really talking playoffs. You know, that's the going. That's what you want to hear. I don't expect them to say anything different. Um, at the same time, being realistic, what should fans really expect? Is this a team that could make it to the playoffs? Is this a team that realistically would have to fight to get into the playing tournament? Or is this really a year that they're going to try out and and do the best to get a W out of every single game? But primary focus is, is development. What would you say is the expectation? I think development is the primary focus, right? Now, does that mean that it's a throwaway season? No, of course not. And, and especially when you have a group like that, that's been sort of um, recently put together, mainly because they're all recently in the league. <laughs> most, most of them are anyways. Um, you know, I think it's I think it's it's unreasonable to expect you know fifty wins, of course. 
I think the goal becomes the playoffs because you know it's going to be a fight to try to make the playoffs. Um, so I think that's the right answer. But for me, like reasonable expectations is is improvement. It's development. I know that's boring. I know a lot of fans don't want to hear that. Um, but you you typically don't win a ton of games when you've got eight guys who are 23 and under and, and a couple more who are 24 and 25. And then the other part of that is this. Um, Markel, J.I., MCW, I mean, these are rotation players. These are big keys to the future who you're not going to have right away. So I think and, – and and when they do come back, it's going to be great, but you're going to have to sort of readjust and, mm-hmm. and figure out how to, how to work them back in. So I think especially early on, there's going to be – there's going to be a lot of experimenting. There's going to be a lot of um, the coaches feeling out the players, players feeling out each other, and sort of settling into roles, identifying what their roles are, and hopefully – guys settling into them. And then I think when J.I. and Markel come back, you're going to have to sort of do that again. But hopefully you have a sense of what this group can look like, what this group needs um, as you approach the All-Star break, and then you go from there. Because I do think there's still a possibility that some of the veterans um, are, you know, move on. I mean, some of those guys are going to look really good to other teams. And if you're sitting there and, you know, you're, you kind of have next year or the year after circled as like, that's really when we're going to make our push then I think there is a possibility that some of the veterans uh, will hit the trade market. And I don't think that's a terrible idea either. Yeah, I, I think you, you hit it right in the head. I think it's going to be a, an interesting year for sure. Now, a quick follow-up on what you just said. ESPN projected the Magic to be the worst team in the East this upcoming season. Vegas odds have the Magic winning approximately over and under 22 games. If you were a betting man, would you bet on the over or on the under on that particular um Prediction. The, if, you the lose, thing I'll if, you say, lose, if you lose your bet, you have to get that uh that horror tattoo. See, see wait a second. I, <laughs> like you can't you can't give me the terms after Jason after on the forum. I'll, I'll I'll tell you what. I'll get a Wu Tang tattoo if I uh, if I lose. <laughs> That's what I always Wu-Tang. told myself. If I got a tattoo, I get I get the I get the Wu bat. Um, the one thing I know about Vegas is they set those numbers because they're always almost exactly right. <laughs> so I'll say over because um, because I'm a hopeless optimistic. I think I will say this. I think um, I think I think it's a safe bet that it'll be a much better team at the end of the year than at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can say that for teams necessarily across the league. I have no idea if the 76ers, for instance, will be a much better team at the end of the year than the beginning of the year. The Lakers. I mean, a lot of these teams that are that have locker room issues like Philly or they have a whole bunch of geriatric dudes like the Lakers and might have to worry about um, um, injuries. And then some of these other teams that are kind of on the brink, right? Like the one thing that I loved about what we did last year, because I know how hard it was to trade Vooch and, and, and AG and Evan away. Um, but now it, it feels like we have a direction. And, yes, we're, we took steps back, but I know what direction we're headed. And for the last two seasons, in my opinion, it was like we were just hoping to be six, seven, eight. And I don't like that. Like, I yep. go for the gusto. Like, I realize it's tough and you had to tear it down. And, you know, you can't can't play draft picks and you can't play draft considerations and, and salary cap space. Um, you can't sell. A, there's no salary cap space jersey that you can sell at the team shop. Um, but I think I think finally we know where we're headed. And and I think it. It takes balls to make that decision. You know, Jeff and John had to look themselves in the mirror and say, how far can this group get? Are we one player away or is that not even going to do it? 
Um, and that can be really difficult, but I do think, I think we're in a better place than we were a year ago for sure. Yeah, definitely kudos to the front office because you're right. It, it does take a certain level of, of self-reflection to be able to make moves the way they did. And even just reflecting myself on our reaction, had no idea that, that I was so confident that no matter what, Nikola Vucevic was going to be a lifer and that that was it. He was going to retire in Orlando Magic. I literally you know, thought that. And the fact that it's a completely different, like even going into the season, I'm I'm looking at, we're really looking at a team that doesn't have an Evan Fournier, doesn't have an Aaron Gordon, no Nicola. Like this is a, a completely different um, experience for, for me personally. Now, when you take a look at all the young guys that we do have on the roster now, who do you think this season will end up taking the biggest leap? Who takes the biggest jump this season for this team? Oh, that's a good one. I really think RJ is like just waiting to explode. Like I think that guy, he can do everything like pretty well um, offensively. And I think, I think there's, I think it's all going to click like that for him at some point. Um, So I'm really excited to see what RJ can do. And I'm really excited to see what RJ can do in the context of that backcourt. Like, RJ with Cole and RJ with Jalen. And then when you get Markel back, what's he look like? And are there times where you've got three of those guys on the floor together, especially with Markel's size? I think you can get away with that. You better have multiple playmakers and creators on the floor um, in today's NBA. And so, you know, if, hell, like, let's go uh, – Bamba, Wendell, and then uh, Cole are, you know, two, two, two twin towers and then a couple of point guards. Let's see it. Whatever. You know, like uh, Jamal Mosley is going to be like a mad scientist, I think. And I, and I like that idea. Like, let's just sort of see what these guys look like. But I think RJ can be a really good um, centerpiece offensively in, in into what the team does. So I'm anxious to see what, what he does. And then I think the obvious answer is Mo. Um, because it's such a big year for, for him and because we've seen the flashes because he looks healthy. Um, and, and because I think it's pretty clear that like he fell out of favor with the last coaching staff. Like it, it, it wasn't working for him. He was frustrated. It felt like, it felt like that sort of relationship was going to come to an end at some point. And now obviously you, you get into the contract situation and, um, and that sort of timeline, but I think bringing in Coach Mosley and his staff is going to be really, really good for Mo. I think having a full offseason um, healthy is going to be good for Mo. And I do think having some pressure is going to be good for Mo. Um, so I'm anxious to see exactly how that all works. And I also think bringing in two guys like Wendell last year, obviously, and Robin Lopez, you know, most most be getting banged up in practice. And he's going to get out there and look across from him and not see Robin Lopez and not see Wendell Carter Jr. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be like Dwight was going against Gortat every day. And it, you know, it's going to be like a uh, iron sharpening iron. So I think it could be really good for Mo multiple different ways, kind of um, everything coming together for him this season. So talking about Mo and, and Wendell quickly here, who do you think by the end of the season, looking back, it's going to have the better season Mo or Wendell? You know, it's, it's tough, man, because with Mo, it's a ma- they they do different things well. And with Mo, it's a matter of that consistency that I was talking about. So if Mo can play somehow like he did on Monday in Boston consistently, then he's going to be a really, really good player. Right. Like, you know, there's not a lot of guys who can block four shots and knock down four triples um, just, you know, in 12 to 15 minutes. He's got that capability. Now it's just a matter of filling and everything else. So with Mo, it's small things 
that Wendell and Robin do really well, like setting screens, blocking out, being in the right place defensively. Mo will get you the four blocks, but then he'll also allow a couple layups and a couple trips to the free throw line because he's out of position because he's so athletic. Right. So with Mo, it's all about kind of fundamentals and, and building that baseline. Whereas with Wendell, he's not capable of some of the things that Mo Bamba, there's not many humans capable of some of the things that Mo Bamba are capable of. Um, but Wendell's so much more consistent and so much more solid. So I think, I, I think the, the, the easy money or the, the, the best bet would be on Wendell to have a better season because I think we've already seen that level of consistency. But the tantalizing part is if Mo can sort of put it together, then we could be talking about like a, you know, to the moon um, type of trajectory. So, you know, I think it, it, it would be reasonable to say Wendell, but I'm, I'm excited to see if Mo can, uh, can, can, can string it together. Cause if he does, it's going to be, it's going to be scary. Yeah, I think the you already see the immediate change in Mo. You see that everyone's always talking about motor this, motor that, and I personally see feel like I see that immediately. My biggest question is, you know, can that extend throughout the whole entire season? Is this right, right now in the beginning when things are great, we're we're in the honeymoon stage with with um, Coach Mosley and his staff, but how does that look 30, 40, 50 games from now? And you know something else? Let me say about Mo real fast is because this struck me when I first got here. <clears throat> Anytime I've talked to him, um, the kid's like, he's really, really smart. Like he's, he's very thoughtful. And sometimes I think that, especially with big men in the NBA, um, it's harder for the smart ones. (laughs) And basically I think it's because of, of confidence. I think smart people get in their own head a lot. Um, And I think with Clifford staff at some point, that relationship sort of dissolved. And I don't know if it was Cliff specifically or if it was just sort of um, um, just kind of the circumstances. Like Mo was just frustrated from being injured, from being in and out of the lineup, X, Y, and Z. Um, and so I think I think if Mo can if – Mo, if Mo starts going, if he gets a week or two where he's playing very consistently and he knows he's going to be playing 12, 15 minutes every night or whatever and he's able to sort of build confidence mentally – um, I think that'll go a long way. And with young players, sometimes it sometimes that's all it takes is um, is somebody kind of lighting a fire under you and somebody, somebody believing in you, as corny as that sounds. And so hopefully you get there with Mo. I think team chemistry is a big part of that too. Because sure. if you if you have an individual that lost that sense of confidence, I mean he has players, and we've seen it. And we're we're not we're not in the inside, so it's not like we can see details, but we see how much. You know, Cole Anthony's always trying to pick his head up. Terrence Ross, you know, you have these players that are always really in his ear. Him. Yeah, always in his ear trying to keep him up, keep him motivated, keep him going. And I think that that is so, so important because, you know, we haven't seen the best of Mobama. And I think that that's the part that that is scary in a sense of what his potential could be because he knows that he we haven't seen the best of Mobamba. You know, there was a lot of um, in the beginning when he first got drafted, those comparisons to Karen, uh, to Kevin Garnett, how he was supposed to be his mentor. They had the the marketing for it, this and that, and then we were kind of expecting that, and we didn't see it right away. So I'm I'm excited because I think that you know the the pressure that you said with Wendell and and him having to face him every single day, and they're both just as hungry. Like they, in my opinion, there was no chance that Mo was going to take anything away from Nicola but he has a chance to be able to kind of take that seat from Wendell and vice versa. So I'm a big fan of both. And I think that that's a really, really good problem to have. A hundred percent. Like, and that's the thing is like, 
you know, we, we always get so caught up with who's starting and who gets the starting spot and who's getting the starting minutes. You know, on this team, you're, you're going to have 10 guys who are playing almost interchangeably, I think. I mean, I, I get the sense of Coach Mosley, especially if the first two preseason games are any indication. You know, he's going to roll with the hot hand, and he's going to figure out, um, you know, playing groups, and he's just going to go based on that, on matchups, on a night-to-night. I don't think it's going to be he's the anointed starting center, um, especially with two guys like that who are still so young and still have a lot to prove. Yeah, now, now – Yeah, go ahead. I was simply going to follow up on that and, and tell you. So starting lineup. All Magic fans on Twitter, social media, they're all kind of just wondering what is that going to look like when we're fully healthy? Um, we've had a lot of debate on social media about this. Um, what do you think, personally? You add Markel healthy hopefully soon, J.I. as well. What does that starting lineup look like? Again, it might change here and there, but at least that day one when they're both healthy, what does that look like for you? I have no idea, dude. I really don't. I mean, it's there's so many different combinations, right? And so, okay, so is so Terrence Ross, for instance, he is a six man on a really good team, right? Like I think that's I think that's sort of how he profiles, and I think that's what he became comfortable doing. Um, but can you afford to bring him off the bench? Does it? Do, do you want him on the floor with your starters so that your starters, especially the young ones, are are sort of more settled down at the beginning of his games, going against other? Starters, that's just T. Ross. Um, Cole Anthony, I think, on a really good team, is a, is a six-man, come-off-the-bench, get-rolling type guy. Cole Anthony starts. I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with that. I mean, Cole Anthony – that's not to say that Cole Anthony is 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 not good enough to be a starter in this league. It's just, you know, different roles fit different guys. And Cole and T. Ross both are guys who can come in the game and shoot you back into it um, and or extend a lead. I mean, they're they're – heat up scorer type guys um with that said i would say you know i think markel and j.i have earned or at least when they come back if they're healthy will probably be in the starting lineup so let's call them the one and the four let's put wendell at the five let's say for now terrence starts at the three and then we'll go uh who am i missing the two jaylen yeah sucks yeah <laughs> Suggs and Suggs and Markel in the backcourt. I mean, that's is that technically two point guards? I don't know. I mean, I I'm pretty sure Jalen can play off ball. I'm not sure, you know, Markel as a as a catch and shoot guy is 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 ideal right now. But like I said, having two guards on the floor at the same time, um, whose specialty is creating off the bounce, I think that's I think that works. And I think Jalen has shown and, and will show that he's able to play off ball for sure. So I'm I'm all in for experimentation. You know, the fact that we got to see a little bit of Wendell and Bamba on the court together for a little bit yesterday, I thought that that was fun. Um, why not see what you have with a lineup of Markel Fultz and, and Jalen Suggs and RJ Hampton at the three? Why not test that out? You know, I wouldn't mind seeing those guys run up and down the court. Who's going to keep up with them? I think that for the sure. more the more um, experiments that he has, the more that he's able to coach most is able to see, you know, what he's able to use. And I like what you said earlier about, you know, seeing what he can get away with because you have so many players on this roster that they can play multiple positions. I mean, everyone's talking about positionless basketball. Uh, Coach most is talking about, you know, just being able to understand what you are and aren't able to do. And I think that you have the roster that is able to do that. Now, Jake, what would you say would be the 
what what would you what would be your biggest or most bold prediction about this team this season? Bold, risky. I think I think they're going to be a team that like has like three or four banner wins. Like goes into Brooklyn and beats the healthy Nets. Goes in L. They're going to be a team that um, by the end of the year you go, okay, like there's like that's that's the future. That was we're going to have a couple moments, I think, by the end of the year. And I'm not just talking about Cole hitting a shot against Minnesota. I'm talking about like wins that there was like there was no nobody thought Jalen Suggs could go in there and put 40 or. Um, whatever. I think there's going to be a couple moments. I think by the end of the year, people are going to say, okay, those guys are coming. Um, and it usually takes a couple, a couple games that nobody thinks you have a chance at, um, where you lead sports center. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think there's just going to be a few, a few games, a few moments that we look back on and we say, okay, this is, this is the beginning of something kind of special. Yeah, I agree. I I like. I look forward to those stepping stone games. We one one of those that stand out to me is that uh the game in L.A. when it was Markel Fultz and uh, we had uh, uh, Wesley Awandu and it, it was a it was a really tall order and we went in there and we really smacked the Lakers around and that was yep. really really fun to watch. So um, I I consider that a really bold prediction. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't know no. if it is because here's the thing like I. I was trying to go through and do like an individual one, but I just don't know what to expect from so many guys. Right. Like, you know, Markel most improved or whatever. Like there's just so many different question marks as far as injuries go. And as far as personnel goes, period, like what's, what's the starting lineup in the rotation going to look like in January? I have no clue just because it's like a, like a ball of clay right now. Um, So yeah, I don't know if anybody's going to make a surprise. Um, you know, uh, all-star run or a, a, a yeah. run at six man. Like Terrence was sort of on his way to doing last year until the thing fell apart. Um, so yeah, I can't do individuals. So, but I do think, I think at some point we're going to be a team that people don't want to play, put it that way. Yeah. But just even the thought of, you know, this team going into Brooklyn beating, you know, a, a fully rostered nets because, you know, we we've heard it reminds me of the Tony Allen interview that he had, you know, a couple of years ago where he was talking about the Orlando Magic and how, you know, they the teams wouldn't take us serious. They would right. go out and have dinner and have a couple of drinks. And, you know, who do we play today? Oh, the Magic. Not a big deal. It's going to be an easy day. And I this think team that is hungry. This that, team is hungry. Exactly. You know, they are. The one thing that I've always asked for and what I've wanted as a fan for a really, really long time is I wanted the magic to be respectable. And I and I feel like we've lost that uh, for a really long time period. And I finally feel like, you know, there's going to be it, it's kind of like it's kind of like you go when you play basketball at L.A. Fitness and I'm I'm not 37, but I'm touching close to 33 years old. And we we go in there and these kids are like, you know, playing at a rec center and they're playing as if, you know, there's a title on the line. Like I, I expect our young guys to be like that to the point that they are taking it like way more serious than they should be, kind of. In a, because, since I know it's professional basketball, so that's not really the way that works. But that's kind of like my mindset of you know what I'm expecting. But to, but to me, Anthony, I think you're right on, and this is what you get, right? Like when you have a team like I had the last couple of years, 
and you have veterans, <clears throat> you sort of know, okay, if you're a championship contender, we're just cruising through the regular season. We're just trying to get to the playoffs. That's when it actually matters. If you're a team like we were, it's just sort of like, all right, we're kind of on pace to 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 finish where we want. With this group of guys, a you, when you got a bunch of young cats, they're fighting against each other, right? Everybody's out there trying to make that that extension. Um, every game is an opportunity to put some money in your pocket um, when you're when you're in your first couple of years in the league. And then the other part is like none of these guys have any respect right now, right? Like so they're going to be sitting there looking around like we got to go out and we got to earn it and we got to take it. Um, and the only way to do that is to show up every night and play each game like it's your playoff game. And come January, if the, if the team's 15 games below 500, um, you know, you better figure out a way to get amped and, you know, you know, it ain't going to be the finals. So when you go to Brooklyn, that's your finals. Like that's the, you know, that, when you know, you're going to be on TNT or whatever, and we won't have many of those, but uh when Harden's across from you that's that's the way to get on ESPN or whatever you know what I mean yeah that, that's gonna be exciting because even even RJ Hampton was having a conversation I, I, I don't remember who it was with I think it might have been Jalen Suggs but them just having the conversation about how they know that you know this season there's going to be fans in the stands and in Orlando unfortunately there's there's you know we're we're one of those places where you know the opposing team they they travel they end up coming out of the the, the woodworks you got yeah, the going state fans that. that kind of fill out the arena heat the knicks brooklyn lakers all of them but they're excited for that challenge and and they want to be able to kind of you know win people over and i think that you know this season people are at the very least are are going to see that and this this seems a little different orlando is definitely a lot different than what people are used to seeing or expecting to see Let's build it. Let's build it from the ground up. Yeah, absolutely. So now, Jake, we're going to go into uh, just a quick overtime where it's uh, it's rapid fire questions and we're going to start shooting them out. So the first one is, what was your first basketball jersey you ever bought or wore? First one. Sean Kent. White. Who is it? Who is Sean it? Kent, White Sonics. That's a good one. Yeah. I like it. It was the old one, too. It was the old one with the the yellow and green stripe before, oh. they, before they turned to the good stuff. So that that means we need to get you an updated uh, Orlando Magic, Sean Kemp. Back. I'll take it. <laughs> we had him on Magic Drive Time a couple years ago. It was I was I just literally got him on the phone for Dante, and I was like shaking. I was so excited to talk to Sean Kemp. Oh man! Now next one: favorite current Magic player and favorite all-time Magic player. <sighs> this is the, the questions about the current guys. It's hard. Hey, are you um, allowed? Are you allowed to say that? No, it's. <laughs> Uh, Cole, Cole is Cole is like so easy to talk to. He's so fun. He's just for a guy who does what I do, having Cole Anthony around. But I will say this: anytime I talk to Mo, I love talking to Mo um, because, like I said, like he's like he's a smart ass. Like he is, you know, like like Mo bust chops uh, just just about better than anybody. And actually, my favorite player on the my two favorite players. On, okay, I just named everybody in the team. My two favorite <laughs> players: the way they play the game are Mo Wagner and Michael Carter-Williams because my favorite players all the time are the bust-your-ass players, get on get on the floor. Like, I was a screen setter. I would play eight minutes in JV, and I would fall out, uh, <laughs> and I was, you know, throwing bows and stuff. So um, I love Mo Wagner. I love what he brings. And, uh, and when I first got back, I was like, man, I didn't know MCW was a, 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 a lunch pal guy now. I mean, that guy, that guy works his butt off. Um, uh, so I like the way he plays. And then all time, I'll give you two. My 
probably my fourth or fifth jersey that I wore all the time was Penny. And Penny's probably my all. I've, I've probably I'm probably a bigger fan of Penny when I'm 12 years old than I've ever been of any player ever. Like I was obsessed with Penny Hardaway um, back in the day, and that was in Cleveland. Um, and then my favorite player from all the years here was Keon Dooling because he was the best soundbite. It was when I was the radio producer, radio intern or whatever, shoving a microphone over his face, trying to get quotes for Scott and Ed's pregame show. Uh, and Keon always stopped and always looked me in the eye and always gave me a good answer. So Keon Dooling. That's awesome. Now, the, the battle of the jerseys, pinstripes, uh, Harn Hustle Stars, what would you say is the the best looking Orlando Magic jersey that we've ever had in collection? I'm talking about adding the the really ugly gray sleeves that we did with Adidas. I'm talking about all the city edition, space, orange. My what favorite, is your all time favorite? My favorite. I have a very specific answer. Were the the pinstripe throwbacks from the McGrady era, right? So there there were the blue ones and the black ones, and then it was but it was Orlando instead of magic with the, it was Orlando across the chest with the star find the McGrady, the McGrady pinstripe throwbacks. So it was basically what 2003 or four or something like that. And then, but the jerseys were from, were, were from the nineties era. Um, so pinstripes, but with Orlando across the front. That's why I think that no matter what decision we ever end up doing, changing, like there, if there's one thing that has to be Orlando Magic, it has to be the pinstripes. Like there, there, you can't, like the 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 Tracy McGrady era jerseys that they had, where it was um or not like towards the end, but it was like Dwight Howard's first season, where it was just like the white jersey and it had a little star right here on the collar neck, and that was like pretty much it was like a white and blue. It was just plain. Never want to see those again. They have yeah. to include whatever we decide needs to have pinstripes. Yeah, put that on the record. I'm going to bring it back real quick to players again. Favorite current NBA player to watch? Ooh, to watch. I, um, man, I really love watching Steph. I got to say that. He's just so fun. Um, I, I eventually became a LeBron fan. Like, I appreciate LeBron for what he is. I don't think he's my favorite player to watch. Um, God, I'm going to say... I'm going to say Steph and Durant, and I know those are boring answers, but I just – when they get going, like when Steph gets going, it's it's so fun. And Durant, I think, is the best pure scorer to ever walk planet Earth. You had me on a roller coaster there because I'm a huge Steph Curry fan, but then I dislike LeBron a ton. So you went Curry, <laughs> then LeBron, but then Curry. So I, we're good now, Jake. <laughs> I think I think LeBron is actually somehow still underrated. Like I think LeBron is about as good as Mike. It, you don't have to say it one way or the other, but I think we we all have reasons to hate LeBron. But he's so freaking good that I think we all should just probably step back and appreciate how great he's been. And the fact that he has the only thing he's done wrong is bounce team to team and try to stack the deck. And it's hard to blame him. I was mad when he left Cleveland the first time. I know Miami fans were mad when he left. People were mad in Cleveland when he left the second time. But he, this man has been under the microscope since he was 15 years old, and he has barely misstepped the entire way. And that is so hard to do. I think we should appreciate it a little more. 
There's still more time. No, I'm just kidding. Last <laughs> last question, Jake. Um, who did you enjoy working with more, Scott Inez or Dante? No, I'm just kidding. That's a wrap. <laughs> Jake, I, I appreciate you so much for jumping on this show with us and, and talking Magic Basketball. It was an absolute pleasure meeting you and, and definitely doing this, man. Thank you. Yeah, anytime, guys. Uh, appreciate y'all for what you do. Uh, big fans. Y'all are um, – uh, we need more people like you. We need people revving people up with this new Magic team, this new Magic group. Uh, it's going to be from the ground up. Get on the bandwagon now. Um, and, uh, but thanks for having me. I will do it again sometime. Right. Yeah, for sure. All right. That's a wrap next till next time. Thank you for listening to the ozone podcast, the voice of magic fans. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the ozone pod. And remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review on all your favorite podcast, listening platforms. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.